Bibles, grab those. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 2. We're going to start out in Genesis chapter 2. Uh, got a few different scriptures we'll look at this morning, but um, we're going to start in Genesis 2. <clears throat> Excuse me, work our way to to three, um, and so we'll, we'll get there shortly. Um, and last weekend had a uh, guest speaker with us, um, and so I want to be careful too, even how, uh, what I say even now, a week after, um, but it had been planned to, to have him kind of come and share, and he's uh, a gentleman that's uh, over a local ministry here in the area that uh, goes to uh, the ends of the earth and takes the gospel to the ends of the earth, and the way that he does that is through uh, through sports, and so he goes into different countries and uh, does camps and different things like that, and as a result, gets to share the gospel uh, in, in countries that are closed off uh, to the Christian faith, and so it, uh, it had him uh, set up to come, and so I know it got weird, especially if he was watching online, and we just kind of cut the feed, but we did that um, for safety uh, for him uh, and for his teams to be able to get back into those countries and uh, share the gospel and talk about Jesus, and so um, had that set up, and again, just wanted to get before you uh, somebody that we get to support and uh, get to be a, a part of their ministry in that regard, and um, and then I felt like uh, we as a church got to be the church, and you probably don't even know what I mean by that, so I'm going to try to explain it. Um, so last Saturday night, I uh, was at the house, and my wife's family came in, and they're in, and we're hanging out and eating, and after we get done eating, and um, uh, kind of starting to put some stuff up. Uh, my wife's father is standing at the island, and he kind of gets like a little like, and I got a little worried because like I'm the one that grilled the, the, the hamburgers, you know, and I'm kind of like, ah, oh, dang, what did I do? And um, so, uh, but but so he kind of gets a little wobbly, and we end up getting him set down, and uh, blood blood pressure bottoms out, and so kind of comes comes back around a little bit, and then we get him up, and then it bottoms out again, and then we get him up, and it bottoms out again, and so we're just like, okay, enough's enough. Call the ambulance. The ambulance ends up taking him down to regional um, and trying to figure out what's going on. And right now it's looking like uh, blood pressure medication has kind of been a little off uh, somewhat there. Um, but my brother-in-law, who pastors over at Riverview Baptist Church on 29 over there close to the Star Center, um, went with his mom, and Mary and I stayed back with the boys, uh, went with his mom to the hospital uh, for him. Uh, and I told him, say, look, we got somebody coming. I can preach for you if you need some help because he pastors that church. And so... Um, so he called me uh, about 11.30 that night, 12 o'clock that night, and said, hey, if you don't care. And so I said, yeah, man, I, I can do that. We've got somebody that'll be here. Uh, so I hate that I got to miss it, but I got to go, and I got to, to preach and encourage uh, another, another church, um, and just I took somebody with me to kind of help lead some music and do some stuff there. And so we had a, a good time there. So it was like I was here, and then I wasn't, and then I was. Um, and I'm, like, I'm not magical like that. I don't have any like, cool disappearing acts, but, um, but I got to go and, and tell and talk about Jesus and, and help another church out, um, upon which we've helped support him too, as he's got a heart for the nations as he's done some missions in Nepal. And he'll actually be with us uh, in May for our revival night there. So the first Wednesday night in May, revival night, uh, Brenton will be here sharing uh, and talking a little bit there. So you'll, you'll get to see him, meet him again, and he's around uh, from time to time. But um, I just love it that, that, that we got to be the church, so we got to go help another church out and, and love on some other, other folks there. And so um, I'm going to ask you if you join me as we pray, and then we'll, we'll get kind of headed in our direction this morning. So, so join me as we pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, thank you for the truth that's already been proclaimed in this place. Father, we can say amen and go home. Um, God, the, the reality of what we've just sung, like your faithfulness, your goodness, your love. Father, Father, we, we so desperately need that. I know I do. And so, God, as we kind of just start to gear up for Easter, as we start to kind of look down the road and prepare, Father, I just pray that, that over the next few weeks that you would set our heart attuned with you, God, that, God, that you would help us uh, just focus in on 
and, and, and get our hearts and minds set for the reality of what we celebrate. So Father, do a work in us this morning in this place, I pray. God, God convict, draw. God, do, do the work that you see fit. God, you know the hearts in this room. You know the struggles. You, need to, you know the place that needs encouragement, Father. So I just ask that you move and do in this place this morning for your glory, for our good. Jesus, we need you so desperately. Then we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Oh, man, so so what, a, what a day we're living in. What a time we are living in. I mean, it does, it, does it not seem like the world has just lost its mind? Does it not seem like it just continues to get crazier and crazier and crazier? I mean, we can, we can look around. We, we can look around and, and real fast uh, uh, understand and see that, man, th- things, things have went, went south somewhere. Things have gotten off kilter somewhere. That, that something has just went horrifically wrong. Like, like we, we, can, we can look at that. We can see uh, Facebook feeds. We can watch the news. We can, uh, I don't know, do we still do newspaper? I think that's still out there. I think that's a real thing. They, so like, that was like newspaper. You can look at the newspaper and read it. You can, I mean, there's just so many different things that just points to this broken world. Like, like this week, I don't know about you. Um, I'm, like I didn't watch it. I just, it's just been on the headlines of everything. But the Oscars. I mean, I thought that was like the name of the dog of my neighbor growing up, Oscar. That's what I mean. I was like, that's all I, I mean. But because of the event that took place where uh, an actor walks on the stage and slaps another actor for um, making a joke about his wife, I mean, that has just blew up like crazy. I mean, every day this week, they're, they're like dissecting it. They're looking at it. Like, I mean, like, like goofy. So like, look at his hand. It was like this. It was open. I mean, it was just, no, he should have closed it. No, I mean, he took it so good. And he, I mean, it's just like. All I know is if I was in the crowd and I walked up and slapped somebody, my butt's going to jail. I mean, it's so, it's so like, and there's even that, well, he was justified for it. And, he, and I'm like, are you like, honestly, he just made a joke about your wife. And, and, and that's, you respond that way? I mean, be a dang man and pull him aside after him. Like, look, bro, we need to talk. I, I mean, and I'm just, I'm like, I'm looking at it and I'm just like watching that kind of stuff. And it was just, it went, it went cra- I mean, it's just crazy. And, and then this week, I think it was in Greenville, there was a, a middle school shooting, and a middle school boy lost his life. I mean, a few, a few weeks ago, a month ago or so, I, th- I think there was, uh, you, you had the NCAA tournament championship for swimming, and, and a transgender person wins the women's NCAA championship for swimming. Somebody who was born a man is competing in a women's, and I don't know where you fall with all that stuff, but I'm, I'm going I'm to land scripturally what the Bible says, and, and hear me, I want to be gentle here, but I want to tell the truth at the same time, and we're going to land where the scriptures land, and we're going to talk about it like the scriptures would talk about it. All the while, like there's a war going on in Ukraine, and, and, I, and I hardly saw anything about it, and I'm just like, like st- stuff that really matters it's just being waxed over and blown by over a slap heard around the world. I mean, it's like, I mean, I mean, our world is not right. And it's headed in an even worse direction. I mean, it's headed in a direction that doesn't please God. And it's going to continue to, to go that way. And so, so, so my plan, my hope, my hope is this, is I just want to spend the next few weeks getting us focused and ready for Easter. I want us to look at the hope that is found in that victorious happening where Jesus rises from the dead, where, where he defeats death, sin, hell, and the grave. That, that, that's my hope, that's my heart for the next few weeks to get us there to land at Easter. So what we're going to do this morning is this, is that we're just going to look at what happened in the beginning, 
to get us to the place we are at today, to get us to the place where we are today in our world, in our society, and what's happening there. And then as that, we will, we will see that the consequences from that day reaches everyone everywhere, even to this day. And then what we're going to do is we're going to start to touch on where our hope is found. We'll land the plane with where our hope is found. So Genesis 2, Genesis 2.15. Genesis 2.15. We're going to look at what happened and how we got to where we're at today. This is, this is what happened. This is where hopelessness comes from. This, this place right here, Genesis 2.15 says this. It says that the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So God has created. God has made. He has formed. He has fashioned. God speaks and things happen. You, you, get, you, you, get the, you get the planet that we live on. You get the universe. You get trees. You get, you get everything. You get the animals. You get everything. God speaks and, and it happens and he makes. And then what he does is he forms Adam from the dust of the ground is what we're told. And then he breathes the breath of life into his nostrils and Adam becomes a living being. And so this is where we're at. God takes that Adam that he created and he puts him there in the garden. And God gives Adam the task of working and keeping the garden. He gets him to work and to do. That's what he do. He gives him uh, that commission to do that, to take care of. He doesn't tell Adam to be idle and just to kind of sit around and, and do nothing, but, but to work and to do and to cultivate. That's what God commissions him with. And so a, a man that is just idle is a dangerous man. I mean, so hear me for a second. We just sit around doing nothing. It's not a good place to be. That's when bad things happen. That's when uh, stuff that shouldn't take place takes place. When, when we kind of punt on our responsibility to be men and to lead and to do. And so God knows that and he gives Adam something to do. And then what he's going to do is he's going to tell him next something to avoid and not do. Look at, look at verse 16. It says this. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So, so God tells him what to do, and he tells him what not to do. And so, so here, when you see this little statement at the very end, it says, then you shall surely die if you eat of this tree. See, this is a definite. This is something that you can count on. We were just saying about the promises of God. And so when God makes a promise, when God says something, he means it. He doesn't make empty promises. He's not like us. He doesn't just talk to hear himself talk. He doesn't just need to get, get his uh, word count in for the week. He, when he says something, he, he means very much so what he says. And so what we're going to see here shortly is the repercussions of this that's far-reaching even to our day. Even as a result of this rebellion, it affects us even in our day. So verse 17, as it continues to go, it says, For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. In the day that you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. What is death? Death, death is this. Death is separation. That's what death is. Death is separation. And that separation can happen in some different ways. That separation can mean spiritual separation which is what we'll see and what we'll find out, that will happen. That can mean eternal separation. That's what death does. Death separates. And so this was a command given by God. It was forbidden of Adam to eat from a certain tree. And that's it. That, that's all. I mean, pretty hard to mess up, isn't it? Hey, I'm going to put you in the garden, take care of it, do some stuff in it, and by the way, just don't eat of that tree. That's all. One command, y'all. That's it. Like, like the Ten Commandments haven't even got there yet. The law hasn't even been given yet. 
I mean, everything's fresh and new, and he places him in the garden. He's like, have, have at it, man, but just don't do this. That was it. One thing, one thing, super easy, so we would think. The command given by God, super easy. Verse 18, he goes on, he says this. Then the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So God sees for Adam to be alone is not a good thing. For man to be alone there, him in the garden, and he needs a helper. And so what we see in the remaining verses of this chapter is God makes him a helper, makes him a helper suitable, makes him a helpmeet. That's what he does. And he, and he says that, that they are to leave and to cleave to one another. And they are to become one flesh. That's the command that he gives them. And so everything is good. Everything is going great with each other. Relationship is great. Him and Eve have got their thing going on. And they're like date nights are awesome. And they are, are just doing their thing. And they're out there going at it. And, and, and just, I mean, they're, the, the, they're eating everything out there that they see except that tree. And then they're, they're taking care of stuff. And they're just, I mean, they're walking hand in hand, I'm sure. And like singing songs. And like he's probably, whatever he's doing, they're doing Everything's good with each other, but then everything's also good with God. Every, their relationship with God's great. I mean, I mean there, there's no separation. There's no struggle. There's no, uh, his presence is, is readily available. He's there. And then in Genesis 3, something horrific happens. Look, look with me as we continue. Genesis 3, 1 says, <clears throat> it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And so he said to the woman, so he, he, he in, um, engages Eve there. He says to the woman, he says, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And so she, she begins to talk back, and this is what she says. We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. So she tells him what God said. And then verse 4 says this, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. There it is again, die. Separation. That's what that means here in this context. That's what that word means. Death is separation. That's what what we see. That's what we know. And, And God's warned them. And then she begins to engage the conversation here. Die, separation. Leave, be gone. Not, not to be there. Verse 5 says, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. There it is. That's where the serpent entices her. That's where he starts to kind of take her down a path, engaging her and having conversation with her. He, he begins to kind of woo her in. He begins to kind of uh, 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 manipulate and, to, and to, to deceive and to do some things there. And then, and then he begins to do that. He, he, he messes with this area of her being like God. And he gets her thinking in that moment. And he entices her with what God knows and tries to drag her down And this will be the struggle that we battle with every day, every one of us in this room, every one of us watching online, every moment of every day. Is this God complex of this wanting to be like God, wanting to know what God knows, wanting to have control, wanting to be able to call the shots? I mean, do we not struggle with that? I mean, that that is a big battle for us. I mean, I want to be in charge, I want to be in control. I want to know what's going to happen next. I want to be able to call some of the shots. 
I want to be able to, to dictate some things. I want to be able to, uh, to influence in certain ways. I, want to, I mean, I want to be able to do what makes me comfortable, what I like, what makes me happy. I, want, I mean, I want, to, I want to know how this thing can kind of play out to kind of maybe lean in my favor. I mean, we all struggle with that. Whether it's in our relationships, whether it's in uh, our dealings with, with other people, whether it's in work, whether, I mean, whatever it may be. And so what we see happening here is that Satan's going to play on the words. He's going to play on some truth there. He's going to give her just enough to get her to start to lean a little bit. That's what he does. That's how he works. If he can get us just to look for a moment and to, and to, kind, of, and to kind of see and to kind of look and to get to thinking a little bit. See, that's why it's so important for us to know the Word of God. That's why we're going to constantly beat on that drum. It's for us to know the Word. Because if we know the Word of God and we hide it in our heart, what does David say? So that I may not sin against God. So, so we want to be able to rightly handle the Word of God so we know, okay, what is truth, what is not truth. Not what feels good to me. Not how do I like or how do I want, but, but what does God say? If he's the one that has created this whole thing and he knows how it's to be, he knows how it works and functions at its highest level and how it should be, would my default setting not want to be to what he says? Not what I say, but what he says. And so that's why it's so important to know what God has said, because even in this exchange with the serpent here, uh, Eve kind of gets that distorted. She adds a little bit to, she takes a little bit from, she doesn't quote him quite right. But that's how Satan works. If he can get us thinking or leaning a little bit, it's so much easier to sway us. And I believe what's happened in the church is that we don't know near, we don't know, I don't know if that's even right English, we don't know near enough of God's word to be able to defend, to be able to, to obediently follow after and be in with what God has said. So, so let's look at the story. Verse 6, it continues to go. It says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. So she did what God said not to do. She disobeyed. But, but look, look at the wording real quick there. When the woman saw that the tree was good, it was a delight to the eyes. It was to be desired. So she, she looks in the wrong direction. That's what sin will do. It, it'll cause you to look in places you shouldn't look. And, and just look at the progression there. So she looked, and as she looked, she saw. And when she saw, then she continued to look upon. As she continued to look upon, a desire began to grow, which was what? Followed by action. So my question for us this morning, church, is that what are we looking at? What are we looking at? And I know it's so elementary, and if you've got kids, I know you've done this because I've done this. What you put in is what's going to come out, right? What you consume is what's going to affect, and what affects is going to eventually come out. So, and I know, I mean, it's just so, that's so elementary, is it not? But it's the struggle that happens in the garden that's even present today. I don't care how old you are, I don't care how young you are. What you look at and continually over and over and over look at, your heart's going to start to desire. And that's what we see happen in the story here. She looks and she looks and she looks. She begins to desire. And then what happens after desire is birth? There's action taken. And that action is moving toward the thing that she's looked at and desired. So what are you looking at? Church, we have got to be looking at things that are going to help us be more godly in our walk with Christ. That are going to help us to be on the defensive, to help us be on the offensive when it comes to attacks from Satan. 
And so then look at what she does because, I mean, sin doesn't like to just be by itself. Look at what happens. And then she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Mm. And I know like, like we like to kind of like pit men and women here and we kind of like, oh, what are you doing? And, uh, but, but Eve, what she did is she looked and she decided that Satan was telling the truth. She looked, she saw, she liked, and then she listened. And then she acted upon that. And so it wasn't necessarily overt rebellion against God, but, but seduction and deception that made her think that the action was okay and right. And so she gives in and she goes. But, but Adam, Adam, oh, he was in a direct transgression without deception. Direct, he, he was direct transgression without deception. He knew what God said. He knew what God had told him. He even saw the fruit. God showed him, hey, all these trees, not that one. Adam saw it. He looked at it from earlier on, and what does he do? He still eats. He still rebels, and he still sins, and he goes against what God said. Adam acted in direct rebellion. Look at verse 7. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. They knew that they were naked. So think for just a moment what we've already read, Genesis 2.17, where it says, For in that day that you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. What do we see happen? They eat and they don't die, right? I mean, they don't hit the ground. They're still talking. They're still interacting. They know some things that are different, so they don't physically die, or at least not yet. That day's coming. They're unaware of it. They don't know, but they feel different. It looks, everything's different. But what did die in that moment of rebellion was their innocence and their relationship with God. That chapter 2, verse 25 says that they were naked and they were not ashamed. They didn't know they were naked. They didn't know that that could be a bad thing. Everything was perfect and good relationally with each other and with God. Now deception has moved in. Sin enters the world. Deception moves in and it starts to grow and it affects them in a way that they have never been affected before. And so what happens is sin changed how they see things, how they perceive things, how they understand things. Sin changed everything. Innocence had been, innocence had been replaced with guilt and shame. And they've been exposed. That's what happens there in the garden. Why? Because death equals separation. And hear me, sin messes up everything always. Sin messes up everything always. That's what sin does every time. Every time. So I just, I've, I've thought of it like this. So, so we, we got something cool kind of coming that's going to happen. And so we got like the sign up here to be careful. And, and it's funny because I, I this isn't even part of the illustration, but, but like some of y'all touched it. Not going to look in which direction, but some of y'all touched it. And like, like, like one just like walks up here. I'm just going to touch it, touch it, watch this. And my little boy's with him. So if y'all know of a youth pastor that's looking, please let me know. I'm just joking. <laughs> well, that was just one that touched it. There was a lot of touching going on up here. He touched me. Don't you do that song for altar call. You hear me? So, so, so we got, like, we, we preparing, we getting ready, but hey, now it's been touched, so who cares, right? So we'll just kind of flip this over for a little bit. Oh, it's not there now. Look, you can touch it, right? And so like, we've got like, ah, oh, it's going to be good. 
He gets to go be good. Which, which makes me think, I mean, that's what sin does, right? Like, hey, hey God said don't, and we, and I just touched it too, dang it. So now I'm like, like, so don't, but we do, and they give in, and I give in, we all give in. Oh, that's what sin does. Because, and it says not to. And what's the natural inclination? Is, oh, I've got to. Don't touch it, I have to touch it. Don't look at it, I've got to look at it. Don't say it, I have to say it. It's like, it's, that's just in me. I don't, I'm, I'm the same way. And I know we like to give them a bad rap, like, oh, Adam and Eve, you, oh, you had one thing. Well, we can't just keep one thing. Even the thing that like, we're really good at at keeping, we still blow it and mess up in the one thing that we think we think that we're good at at keeping. And so this makes me think of Galatians 5. Flip over to Galatians 5 real fast. Galatians 5.16. Galatians 5.16 says this. I say then, this is Paul writing to the church at Galatia. He says this. He says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So he says, walk in tune with the Holy Spirit, with God. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. Let him direct you. Let him be uh, uh, your beacon of, of direction and, and heading. And, um, and if you do that, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So there's desires that's in us that, uh, that he calls us to, to kill, to crucify, to put to death. And so there's these desires that are anti-God in us that we have to fight even though we've been born again, we've been saved, we've been redeemed, we've been given a, a new heart, we've been indwelt by the Holy Spirit, there is still this war that's raging. And what Paul reminds him of is that you've got to walk in the Spirit, and, and if you do that, then you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So it'll be easier to battle, it'll be easier to go against. And when you see the word flesh here, just, just think of world. Think, think of things that oppose or things that offend God, things that are anti God, and he's, he's going to give us a list here in just a second. He says, uh, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. So he said, there's this battle. The things of God battle against the things of not God. So, so the things of God battle against the things of the world. The longings and the desires and the directions of the world, of our culture. He says that there's that battle going on. They're contrary to one another. He says, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you, you're not under the law. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident. And what he's going to do is he's going to make us all real, real uncomfortable here in just a moment. But what he's saying is this, is that there's just things in you of the flesh that are going to be evident, that you're going to be able to see, that you're going to be able to spot, that you're going to know that are anti-God. They're going to be there. They're going to work themselves out. They're going to make themselves known. And he's about to list them. And I, I think it would be good. Let's, shh, can't tell. Can't tell anybody about this. I mean, it's on live, right? I mean, like, oh, I can't tell him. He's doing it. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm kind of, I've got some artiste in me. And that's how you know I'm an artist because I said it like, like the French way, artiste um, in me. So, um, so like, so, I mean, that's a big old pretty canvas, isn't it? It's going to be awesome, y'all. Hang tight for a second. <clears throat> um, so, so he says, Led by the Spirit, not under the law, the works of the flesh, they're evident, we can't hide these things, and then he's going to list them, which he says is adultery and fornication. Oh, he goes big right at the beginning. Like, I thought like he would kind of like just dip his toe into the water with helping the Galatians kind of understand and see. Like, it would have been sweet. Like, let's kind of start out with like the Ten Commandments, and let's go low. Like, let's, let's talk about like maybe lying, right? Not to lie, we shouldn't lie. So like, like that would be an easy one to go with, but no, he, he goes big, so I'm thinking like, like lie. I feel like, like an elementary school kid again back in art class. This is awesome. My six-year-old would be freaking out right now, y'all. He's going to be so mad. Because he's wanted to paint on this all like last half a week. 
So I, like, I, would have thought, I thought maybe like, like, go with like lying would be kind of be like an easy one to start with. But uh, he, he doesn't. He goes big. He says, that's what he says. He says there, it's obvious, which is adultery and fornication. And so when he uses that word adultery and fornication, the original language here, it, it means all forms of illicit sexual activity. All forms of illicit sexual activity. And so uh, premarital sex. So like, like if she ain't got a ring, it ain't no thing. You know what I'm saying? We ain't test driving nothing, y'all. Like, if, if you're not committed for a lifetime and said, I'm into this thing, and I, I'm, I'm till death do us part, don't touch her. Don't mess. Don't touch. Don't, don't go that way. That, that's what he's talking about there. Why? Because sex is a good gift from God, y'all. Like, I'm telling you, it's a good gift from God. Amazing gift from God. As long as it's in the bounds of the way that God's created and made it. As long as it's in the bounds of the way that God has created and made and set up for it to be, right? The creator of all things, like he tells us not to have uh, uh, sex outside of marriage because he wants to ruin it for us or because he wants to make a, uh, like, oh, watch this, Holy Spirit, watch this, I'm going to tell him something and see what it does. No, no, no. He wants to lead us into life. That's what this does. It leads us into life. It leads us into the way that he's created and made us and things to be and how it should be. So he's not, he's not a killjoy here. He's doing it for our good. He's doing it for our glory, or for his glory, not our glory, for our good and his glory. That's what he's doing. And so he says, the acts of the flesh, the deeds of the flesh are obvious, which is adultery and fornication. So all forms of sexual activity, so premarital sex, prostitution, anything in that, even homosexuality is what he's referring to here. That's what he's talking about. He goes on, he says, uncleanliness. He said, lewdness. Lewdness is just a lack of restraint. It's a lack of restraint where you just can't hold back and you just give in and you just go like lewdness. That's what he's talking about. And so those are pretty big ones, right? And I just, I went small with like a, like a Ten Commandment one up there, but like, like let's, let's do this one. So adultery. Mm. So we got some adultery there. We got some lewdness. L-E-W-N-D. It's hard to write with this little thing up here. Lewdness. What else did he say? I mean, he's like, he's like, oh, I'm going ugly with it. But we'll, we'll get it. We'll get it right. Fornication. Uncleanliness. He says uncleanliness. Right, that's where we get that cute little verse like, like cleanliness is next to godliness, y'all. No, it's not. But he goes on idolatry. Okay, now, now we kind of dabbling in the Ten Commandments a little bit, not to have any other God besides the one that's the only God. So adultery, and, and I guess the question I would ask there is this, with this as we look at this, like, like, like what, what do you worship? What, what do you worship? What, what do you long for more than anything else? What do you think of more than anything else? What do you dream of more than anything else? What do you desire more than anything else? Because that's your God. The thing that you think about, long for, want more than anything else. If that's not the creator of the universe, if that's not Jesus in your relationship with him, then you've made a little G God. A little G God that you run after. And that can be a number of things, can't it? That can be success, that can be family, that can be a relationship, that can be kids, that can be money. There's all kinds of things. So adultery. What's it going, right? Idol. So idols are one. I mean, he just, ah, oh, the list just gets worse and worse. He says sorcery. 
which sorcery is not like Harry Potter. So I don't like think Harry Potter or, or that kind of stuff. Like, like sorcery here in the original language, what that means is, is mind-altering drugs. It's you looking for a way to escape the present reality that you're in. And so instead of running to God for help, you run to something to numb whatever it is that you're going through. You, you run to an, an, another source that's going to help you escape reality or numb it or kind of just kill it for a moment. So he says that is acts of the flesh, sinful. He says hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath. We just, you just lose it. Selfish ambitions. Uh, golly. I love how he kind of like starts with the hard stuff and then he kind of like works his way down. Because I'm, I'm like, it's probably like the thought of like, okay, I'm good there. Okay, good, good. Oh, dang, now he's went to this list. He's got to that. Like jealousy, hatred, selfish. So, so I, mean, I mean, gosh, that's crazy. So like hate. And like we like to do that cute thing like hate the sin, not the person. But we kind of lump those two kind of together, right? I mean, how, how, do you, how do you do with that? Hate, hate the sin. I, and I would agree, yeah, hate the sin, have nothing to do with sin, but love the person. But usually what we like to do is we kind of like, like to lump them together and bash both of them. And we do the cute little, oh, I just, I'm just hating the sin. Are you walking with them and caring for them? Are you praying for them? Are you serving them? Are you helping them find a way out? Like, like what are you doing in that? Jealousies, uh, selfish, I mean, selfish is a good one right here too, right? Like selfish, being selfish. I mean, there just that list goes on and on. Let me, let's, let's continue to listen to it. Outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions. Dissensions is just division. Dissensions is division. So I, I just, I think of gossip here. And that, that's a good one. Like, like gossip. Like, like, do you talk more about a person or do you talk more to the person? Like when you're in a group, do you, do you talk more about the situation or do you bring the ones in that can actually do something about the situation to be in there with you? Like dissensions is division. He says that's sinful. That, that's wicked. That's a deed of the flesh. He says heresies. He says envy, murderers, drunkenness, revelries, the like, to which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So you're out there practicing these things, living in this way, doing this, and just, just joyfully run into it over and over and over and over, and there's no conviction, there's no brokenness, there's no, man, I've, I've, I've broken the heart of God. If there's none of that, one, it says it's going to be obvious, but, but two, it says that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I think the big word we need to look at there is those who practice such things. So if that's your default is to run to those things, is to, to be like this, because I don't know about you, but as a child of God, me as a child of God, this isn't my default. The Holy Spirit living in me, my default, my nature, my character should be that of Christ. And then from time to time, things will slip in and sneak in and I'll, I'll fall and I'll, I'll stumble, but there will be conviction followed by it to where I repent and I find accountability. But, but he says these type of things will be obvious. They'll be made known. They'll be seen. And so this, this is the death that God talks about in Genesis 3 that prevents one part, or prevents us from being with Christ and inheriting the kingdom of God. 
this is what prevents us inheriting the kingdom of God is, is our rebellion. That's what death looks like. And that's what he says there. Those who practice such things, why? Because you're dead, you're dead in your sin. And then look in, in back to, to Genesis 3 real quick, back to Genesis 3, 7. Genesis 3, 7 says this. It says, look at how they try to do some things here. <clears throat> Genesis 3, 7, toward the end, it says, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They did what God said not to do. They see things different now. They're made aware of some things there. And, and then what do they do? They, they, they sew some fig leaves together and try to, 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 to make themselves some loincloths. So what sin did was it caused them to hide and cover up what was once good and beautiful. They were naked and, and, and not ashamed. They were naked and together and it was good. But sin messes up everything always. I mean, just look at our world. Just look at the day that we're living in. That little like, list from, from the past couple weeks of what's happening and transpired in our culture and our world is a result of what happened in the garden thousands of years ago. We see this to be true, that things aren't right, that things aren't like they should be. We even recognize it and know it in us. We sense it and feel it in us. And you know how I know that? It's because we try to hide it. We try to cover it up. We try to, to fake it a little bit, or we try to just wax over it, or we try to just convince others. And so what we see here is that sin brings guilt and shame, and we try to fix it, and we try to cover it up. Let me try something right quick. I know that this is going to be... A little spit shine up there, you know what I'm saying? Oh, man, okay, hold oh. Okay, it's kind of, oh, no. That got all like, messed up. What? Puh. I didn't know. I can't spit right now. I ain't got nothing there. Okay, it's not going to spit and work. All right, okay. Oh, no, no, not to fear, not to fear, not to fear, not to fear. Because huh. I said, don't touch, and I touched anyways. And I like touched more than you touched it, you dirty toucher. You, um, <laughs> that's probably not good to say in a service. I apologize. He's not. Anyways, um, so, okay, so that's fine. That's fine, right? He'll blot out our sin and make it white as snow. Oh, this is going to be good. Hang tight. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, hold on. Oh, come on. Don't laugh. It's not funny. You know, oh, Lord, help me. What do I, okay, hold on, hold on. There's got to be a better way to do this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Look, it's kind of doing it. Yeah, 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 okay, okay. Now it's kind of doing it like that, and then what we'll do is we'll do this, put this guy here, let me get that off of me there. I'm sorry, Meredith, it'll come out of the wash, maybe. And then we kind of just, dang it. You can't hardly even tell, can you? I mean, can you imagine what it was like for them in the garden whenever, whenever God comes walking up? He says, hey, where you at? He knew where they were at. It wasn't a question about like hide and seek with Adam and Eve. He knew. He just wanted them to know that he knew. And like, they, they, I mean, and, and just how cute and funny was it? Like, like they sewed, some, they sewed, they sewed some leaves together, and tried to cover it all up. Which is this how goofy it looks like for us too? Whenever we try to do this with sin, no, I don't struggle with that. Mm-mm. Well, how was your? Oh, it's fine. No, it's not. We can t- we can see why the acts of the flesh are obvious. Is what the scripture says. 
Why? Because you usually start to get a little sketchy or you start to get a little distant or you start to get to... Uh, there, there's like signs that tell and point to. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, oh, it was kind of better when it was all like thick and on there. Okay. Since you touched it, you come help me. Come here real fast. Hurry. We've got a service to finish. Hurry up. Get up here. Here, be tear, tear me off some tape right fast. I know how to cover this thing up. Nobody will ever know nothing. No, not, not big, not like little pieces. Well, that's good. You already got them already. So here, perfect. Give me one there. We'll put it here like this. Oh, yes. <laughs> Smarter than the average bear. I got a college education, dude. I got a degree. That's right. Oh, yeah. What you, here, here, you help me. Here, just t- take that. All kind of sticks because it's painy. Perfect. Good. That guy there. We'll do this right here. Do that right there. Oh, yeah, look at that. That one stray little black mark over there. We'll cover that up. Right, right there. And then the little one over here. Perfect. Ah, yeah, look, you can't even. Thank you. Now we'll just do this right here. Thanks, like that. Let's do this right here, like this. <laughs> never know. They will never know. You can't even tell. Probably like on the on the computer, you can't. But looks just like nothing ever happened. But like that's what it's like when we try to fix ourselves. You know, like that's that's what it's like. Like, like look how like, look how janky. Like you can't paint anything on that. I don't know how we're going to paint something on it, but it'll, it'll, we'll see. But, I mean, but that's what it's like, is it not? That's what sin does. Sin causes separation. Sin brings about death. Now let's look at that for a second. Let's look at the consequences. Last point we're going to make. Flip over to Romans 3 real fast. Romans 3. <laughs> we'll finish out here in the book of Romans. Romans 3.23. So th- this is the consequences for what took place in the garden. This is, what, this is the consequences. This is why we're where we're at today. And it's this little word called all. This little word that you're going to see in the scripture, that's, that's all. Look at what it says. Romans 3.23, it says, For who has sinned? All. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What is all? All is everyone ever born after Adam and Eve other than Jesus. Which they even sin, don't they? Adam and Eve even sins. For all have sinned. All other than Jesus have sinned and they fall short of the glory of God. What the Bible teaches is, is, an, uh, uh, is, is that every person is a sinner. We're born with a sin nature that we inherit from our father Adam. From his seed, we inherit that sin nature and we are born sinful and wicked. It's not that we sin and now we become sinners. No, it's just, in our, it's, it's just who we are. We're just, we're just wicked, fallen people. Romans 5.12 says it like this. It says that sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people. Like we, we know it. We drive by graveyards. We see it everywhere. I mean, in October, it, it invaded my family as I, lo- as I lost my mother. I mean, we, we see it. We know it. We feel it. Death comes as a result of sin. So there's physical death, but there's also spiritual death. And that's what I'm talking about here. We're born sinful. We're dead to God. We're dead to God. Romans 5.18 says it like this. One trespass resulted in condemnation for all people. So we're all sinners. All share the same condemnation because we're all children of, of Adam. 
every one of us. So, so I don't know how you walked into this room this morning. I don't know how you're watching online this morning. But what that does is it outs us. So, see, one of the greatest things that could ever happen to us in our sin is to get caught in it. One of, the, one of the most gracious gifts God could give us is that while we're in sin, we get caught in that sin. Because now we've got we to figure out what we're going to do. Do we do this? Do we sew some little fig leaves together and try to like cover and, revi- and hide and make it? Or do we just say, God, you caught me. Hands up, I give up, I quit, I can't do it, I can't fight anymore, I can't pretend like I got it all together, I can't act like I'm something that... Uh, we all know it. We, we all know it. It's, it's in us like that. We know it, we see it, we experience it. The Bible tells us that we're that way. We know Ephesians 2 says, by our nature we are all objects of wrath. We're all broken, every one of us. Every, and it happens early on, doesn't it? It happens so early on. Like, like, have you ever just watched kids? I mean, just watch kids for a minute. Like, like, I didn't teach my kids to be like that. I mean, some of it may be DNA, but like, like, like I didn't, like, like they've never seen me run over to Mary, like, okay, give me the remote. Uh-uh, I'm watching my, uh-uh. Give, Mary, give me the remote now. Uh-uh. So you know what I do? I take her hand and I bite it. And I take the remote and I walk over and I change the channel. One, I know better than to do that in my house. We don't teach our kids that. They don't see that modeled in us. Well, they're, just, they're, they're selfish. They're broken. They're fallen. It's in us. We all rebel. We're broken beyond repair. And I'll give you a little bit. Maybe your environment may have dictated some of your junk. But, but God says that there's a deeper issue. There's a deeper problem. It's deeper than our environment. Our problem is our nature. It's who we are. It's within us. So we all, as a result of being born are sinful and wicked, thus stand condemned and hopeless. I want you to feel that for a moment this morning. Just by being born, we're sinful and wicked, stand condemned and hopeless. Every one of us. Every single one of us. So as Matt and Hannah come back to lead us this morning, I want to restate that for just a moment with a sweet little conjunction there at the end of that statement. So we all, as a result of being born, are sinful and wicked, thus stand condemnation, and we're hopeless, but, but, that's what I love about the scriptures. Is we kind of get hit with things up front sometimes. And it tells us the truth about us. And it shows us the reality about us. And then there's the but. When the hero gets to sweep in. And the hero gets to do a work. Romans 5.8 says this. But God shows his love for us. There's that little conjunction but. But God does what shows his love for us. That while we were still sinners... While we're still in that condition of of wicked, broken, dead to Christ. While we're in that shape. Not when we get fixed up and we kind of cover it up and kind of make it a little bit better or kind of try to like fool everybody or try to act like... Not not in that condition when we like like go home and try to get yourself fixed up a little bit. Like like put put some... uh, Try to cover it up some, right? Like don't talk like that. Don't think like that. Don't do like that. 
man, one of the things that I just absolutely love about, about somebody who, who uh, uh, gets saved is, man, the rawness and realness of it. And the way they talk, like it, takes a little, it takes a little time, right? God's sanctifying work. It takes a little bit of time to get rid of some of those bad habits and things and sin, sinful stuff that kind of just plagues us and follows along. But man, it, and it's so neat to see that and then God do that work of changing and shaping and forming. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Church, still sinners. That's what I can't get over. And I hope that you can't either. See, that's what makes Easter so amazing. Not that God sends his son to die for the better picture or form of us, but he dies for us while we were still sinners, while we're still jacked up, messed up, have issues, have struggles, while, while we are completely and utterly hopeless. Not an ounce of hope. He sends his son to die for us. To be that sacrifice, to make payment. And so what God does is he offers to us our only hope and the sacrifice of his son. And he pays a debt that we can never pay. And we believe and abandon and walk toward we're restored and made alive. When we put our faith and trust in the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross. We're saved. And the cool thing is what you're going to see this transform into over the next couple weeks is going to look so much better than this. Than what I tried to do or I even tried to cover it up or kind of make it right again. The only way to fix that is to go get a new one. And the amazing work of God is that he takes that and he makes it into something beautiful. And he offers us hope where there's no hope. And so in, in two weeks, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And y'all like, we're going to throw down, and we are going to be excited, and we're going to have, we're going to have us a time in this place celebrating what God has done and who he is. And what we've learned is that people are more willing to go to a church service or gather. And hear me, hear me my heart is this. Is I, think, I think, yeah, we, we should invite, but we should go tell. We should go live. And as we go tell and as we go live, that's going to, that's going to entice people. But I mean, let's, let's play at least a little bit to, to the numbers, right? Because we know, we know what happens on Easter Sunday. We're going to set out some more chairs. We're going to get all gussied up and look pretty and nice. And we're going to gather in this place. There's going to be more people going to come who don't normally come. But they live in the South, and you've got to go to church on Easter. Right? I mean, you can't be Christian if you don't go to church on Easter. Praise God. Which has absolutely nothing about you being saved. And so they're going to gather. And so what I want, I want to ask you to do two things, a couple of things. One, I want, I want to ask you to do this, to start to pray for those that will be here. But I want to ask you to begin to pray for those that will gather in this room, that will join us in this room to celebrate, who normally don't come but maybe once a year, who maybe normally, maybe normally they think there's something that they're really not. I don't know what their heart condition will be, and I don't know where their eternity is at now, but, but I want you to begin to pray that, that those that hear, that, that God will save and move in a way and save them and rescue the lost. That's what I want you to begin to pray right now. In two weeks, we'll gather in this room. And I just believe with everything in me that there will be people here that, that know about Jesus but don't know Jesus. And then the second thing I want you to pray about is this, is who are you going to invite? So let's go, let's go ahead and play to the numbers. Man, I, want you, I want you to go invite and bring people. 
I want you to go after and get your, your neighbor that's, that's no good or your neighbor that's, that's mean and kicks his dog or screams at his children or whatever they do. I don't know what they, or your coworker that you just can't stand. Like I, and just, if you go to work and you give them to your coworker, that doesn't mean they don't stand you. But, but like invite people, go get them. Pull them in, bring them here. And so what I've done is this, is I've, I've made, little, made little invite cards. They're on the tables out in the lobby. They're on the tables here as you exit out the, bank of the back of the sanctuary. And just take it and go. So, so Brody and I, we were up um, Friday. We were practicing some golf and stuff and up chipping and putting around a little bit. And there's a guy that I've invited uh, probably about a year and a half ago. And I've asked him to come before. He's like, okay, yeah. And he never, he's never. Okay, cool. So you know what I've been doing? I've just been praying. I'm, like, I'm not even like aggressive. Like I can be aggressive and like in your, like I'm, I'm not a, uh, like, I, like space, personal space, like means nothing to me. And so I'm just like, and I can be like, like, I'm like that little chihuahua whenever I first see you coming. You know, like I, I can be like that all the time. And I'm relational and I'm, but I've been, I've been very disciplined. You'd be proud, Mary, you'd be proud. And so, but we're up there Friday and we're chipping around and there he is on the green and, and he's chipping and doing some stuff and he's like, okay, I'm gonna get my balls and go ahead. I said, okay, go, go take him over there and go ahead. I said, hey, 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 but before you go, let me, I'm gonna ask you a question. Yeah, yeah. And he calls me Pastor Scott, he knows. Hey, Pastor Scott, so good to see you. I mean, this guy has got the greatest little attitude. I mean, he is just like so happy. He's retired now. That might be why he's so happy. But he's like, he's, but, but he, I mean, he's just like, I mean, he's fun to be around. He's cool. He's good. And, and, he, and he like likes my boys. And so, I mean, that's a great thing, right? So he's nice to them and says, hey to them. Hey, Mr. Brody, give me fine. He does like, and it's just, I mean, he's just a sweet dude. But I don't know where he's at spiritually. And so Friday, we're up there doing that thing, and, and so I begin to have conversation with him. And as I have conversation with him, I'm just like, so tell me about yourself. I said, are you originally from here? Well, no, North Carolina, and then he did this, and he did that, and, and uh, he used some words that we don't normally use in church, and I'm like, yes. Like, I really had to contain myself, y'all. <laughs> because if you, t- if you t- and it like, wasn't bad, like the bad stuff, don't think bad stuff, just like the little ones. Which you shouldn't say those either, that's not a like... <laughs> Preacher said, go say the little ones. It's cool. Well, shucks. <laughs> That's what, yeah. The harder version of shucks. That's what he used. But, but, but like, I've got like my nine-year-old with me, and it's just like, okay, cool. Don't you ever say that or I will. You tell your mother nothing. And so we're like kind of going back and talking and stuff like that and just telling me like all the places he's been and like just the thrill of like his work and what he used to do and this and that and all that kind of stuff and da-da-da-da and and it hit me, it hit me this weekend as, as I was doing something. I'm like, you know, you know who would be cool to have be a part of the family of God is that guy. Man, the excitement that he had for his job and what he used to do. And he, and he used the word like, it was exhilarating. Who uses a word like that to describe their job? Uh, which it is exhilarating to be a pastor sometimes. <laughs> okay, most of the time, all the time, what, you know. But I'm like... I mean, how cool would it be to have somebody like that that would be that excited about the things of God and who he is and what he's doing? And so, you know what? Like, I'm praying God gets his tail here Easter Sunday. We, 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 I know where he lives. I mean, so I can like prayerfully stalk him in a not-so-weird way. Or just go, babe, I'm going to be gone for the next two weeks with the putting green. Sorry. But, but like, that, like, like who, who can we go after? Who, who's God put in your path? Or who's he put on your heart? That you'll take an invitation and just invite, hey, look, I'm going to save a seat, and I want you next to me and my family. I want you to say, I want to just, man, you get them to a place where they can hear the gospel, they can hear where hope is truly found. Or maybe it's the post-it note that you put on the lobby out there on that board 
of the initials of the person that you're praying for that you want God to save? I, I don't know who it is, but would you begin to pray? And would you begin to be willing to step out of your comfort zone and invite? Because people are going to come. So let's just, let's just get them to come here. And, and let's get them before Jesus. And let's lift Jesus up. And let's let Jesus save them. It's not the message that I'm going to preach. It's the one that uh, the message is about. It's not going to be about the goodness or the coolness of this or the greatness of that or the music or whatever. It's going to be about Jesus. That's what Easter Sunday is about. And that's what we want to get people before. We want to let them know about Jesus. We want to let them know where hope is found, not in doing good things, not in knowing a little bit about him, not in uh, uh, being exhilarated at your work, but about a personal walk with Jesus Christ where he brings you from death to life. Our hope is found in him and him alone. So I want to ask you to join me over the next couple weeks to pray and to do that. And one of the things we're going to do also is Easter Sunday morning, we're going to open up the doors at 845. We're going to have a special just prayer time and worship time in this place that'll go for about 30 minutes. Then we're just going to gather in this room. We're just going to pray over the seats. We're going to pray over what God's going to do. We're going to pray for the men and women who walk through this door. So we'll be rolling out a little bit more information about that coming. But those cards are out there. Will you, will you take and will you pray? Will you join me as we pray and prepare? Father, help us this morning in this place to be obedient to whatever it is you call us to, whatever it is you ask us to do. And Father, I'm just so crazy enough to believe that there may be someone here this morning that don't know you as Lord and Savior. And if God, if that's the case, as we've looked at sin and we've looked at the, uh, uh, the reason for the condition that we're in now, why our world is like it is, God, and if, if that's the case and you stir in someone's heart that maybe this morning, he said, you know what, I've never made you Lord and Savior of my life. But for de- today, for the first time, I've heard that I need you not works, not being good, not trying stuff, not just even knowing a little bit about you, but I need, I need you to bring back to life to fix what's messed up. Father, I pray if that person's in this room this morning that they'll come and let us know and that you, you will do that redeeming work of saving and making a life. We've got to do work in this place this morning. Shall we pray? Amen.